horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. I love to hear that music, and I love the fact that you can hear my voice. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. I hope everybody is doing very well out there uh, this week. And where are you taking us, John? Well, I'm taking you to the Philadelphia area to Parks Racing. We're going to talk about several tracks that have name changes later on in the show. But uh, the eyes of the horse racing nation will be on Parks on Saturday. Uh, not every day of the week, Parks hosts two grade one million dollar races but that's what we're going to get on saturday and a very good supplemental undercard i'm gonna join railberg bob roberts uh to try to uh find the winners in here i'm gonna see if bob's up for playing a pick four with me because i think we got a single in here in the 10th there'll be races 9 10 11 12 uh, the single in there would be none other than probably the fastest colt in the lands. None other than Jackie's Warrior, who's only attempted, believe it or not, the six furlong gallant Bob distance one time. Of course, that was an easy win in the Saratoga Special last year. So we're going to single Jackie's Warrior. Uh, love a Caravel in the Turf Monster, five furlongs on the turf. Then I think we got to go a little bit long in the Cotillion. That's the grade one for Phillies, million dollars on the line. And in the 12th race, well, I think all the action's going to go, and rightfully so, to Hot Rod Charlie. But hey, there's a couple horses laying in there waiting for him, including Midnight Bourbon that was tripped up by Hot Rod Charlie in the Haskell Stakes last time they met. Since then, Midnight Bourbon, Bourbon came back and ran a ding-dong daddy of a Traverse Stakes, uh, given essential quality, everything he wanted, only to fall a neck short. Of course, Ricardo Santana will be in the saddle for the Steve Asmussen trainee. So I already gave you a peek into the handicapping segment and told you where we're going with those races. But previous to that, we're going to speak with Kim Rinker. Uh, I've known Kim for oh, about 10 years or so. Um but uh, she's got deep roots in Chicago and is the author of two books, uh, Chicago's Horse Racing Venues and Arlington Park Racetrack. Obviously, she's going to have to update Chicago's Horse Racing Venues. Hopefully, we'll get to that story a little bit later. But just fantastic books and my kind of book because there's plenty of photos with horses and famous people races i mean this is sensational now uh kim uh a buckeye uh, graduate uh, ohio state university but she's also a licensed trainer and driver of standard breads and catch this she was represented the united states in the international drivers championship in Ma moscow 
Russia. So we'll be asking Kim about that, and she's going to take us for a walk uh, in the past of Chicago's, and then we'll zero in on Arlington Park, which may or may not be a racetrack anymore. It's looking like it won't be. Now, with all that racing out there and plenty of money in the pools, it's your chance to uh, maybe uh, cash in on a speed of a steed. Let's take a look at the easy win forms over here at Winning Ponies. Uh, let's see. All over the place, but we did have uh, – we had winners at Gulfstream, Los Alamitos, Delaware, uh, but a good week at Churchill Downs. As you know, there were abbreviated fall meet before Keeneland kicks in. Uh, it was just uh, three days ago. We had a 50-cent pick five that paid just over $2,000, not too bad. And two days earlier, $1 Super 5, we keyed this one, that paid $2,214. And for those of you who like to listen to track announcer Pete Aiello down at Gulfstream Park, we had a $1 Super High 5 just four days ago that paid $1,929. do not believe me Go to winningponies.com. We show you our bets, and we show you the results. So that's what's coming up this week on the show. Well, we're going to miss this girl. Monomoy girl has been retired. Two-time champion. Uh, was discovered to have an injury during training just Tuesday at uh, at Churchill Downs. As you know, she's uh, co-owned by Spencer Farm. She just went out for a routine gallop, but when she came back, trainer Brad Cox said, you know, uh, just uh, was a little off in her front lung, front right leg, and we had an x-ray, and they found a non-displaced fracture of the sesamoid. Uh, won't be back to racing, but she'll just be fine as a broodmare out in a paddock back there at Spendthrift Farm. Uh, obviously, everybody was disappointed. What a great story uh, she's been. She was a $100,000 purchase, which in these days is kind of chump change. But, uh, I mean, she was a runner-up in the Golden Rod when she was a two-year-old. Uh, returned back to her winning ways in 2018, winning the Rachel Alexandra and the Ashland Stakes. Uh, and then won the uh, Kentucky Oaks, took the Acorn the Coaching Club American Oaks. These are all grade ones and crossed the line first in the cotillion, but was disqualified. We'll be playing that cotillion. Uh, she did get the best of her older rivals in the Breeders' Cup distaff. She missed the entire 2019 season due to colic, and she had a hamstring injury, but came back in 2020, started out with an optional claimer, and then followed that up with wins in the grade two ruffian and the grade one La Troyan, and ran in the money in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Uh, just uh, amazing uh, comeback. She was something else. Then she was sold for $9.5 million, uh, and... Uh, MyRacehorse.com uh, joined in as a partner, as did one of her original owners, uh, Saul Cuman. So uh, then she came back, started winning again. Matamoy girl, we're going to miss you. She retires with a record of 17 starts, 14 wins, and three seconds earnings of over $4.7 million. So uh, obviously uh, from a very esteemed female family, but she made her own pedigree. This was some sad news. Santa Barbara, who ran a bang-up race recently in the uh, Belmont Oaks and the Beverly D, she's died after suffering complications from a fractured pelvis 
I believe this this happened back in Ireland or England. It wasn't really clear. The Racing Post broke the story uh, just earlier today. Uh, just a real shame. She was something else, obviously, trained by Aidan O'Brien, who also bred her uh, with uh, Anne-Marie O'Brien's Whisperview Trading. Uh, she just looked to be some kind of horse. She's the early favorite for the grade 1,000 guineas and the, and the oaks over in Europe. She missed uh, uh, the board in both those races, but bounced back to be second in the Pretty Polly. Anyhow, she, she looked like she was going to be really dangerous in the Breeders' Cup, but she won't be with us. But looking down the bench, Aiden O'Brien's got somebody there, Mother Earth, who won the grade one 1,000 guineas and the grade one pre-Rothschild. And she's going to be rerouted instead of going to Australia. She's coming to North America, and she is going to take the place of Santa Barbara in the starting gate in the Breeders' Cup. Last year, she ran second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly, so she knows her way around. Well, uh, again, we'll be talking to Kim Rinker, who penned the books on Chicago Racing, but she's going to have to put in an addendum. It looks like in the Chicago area, only Hawthorne Park will have racing, and that's 76 thoroughbred cards down from 120 at what was called the Arlington Hawthorne meet uh, last year, this year, I should say. Um, so it'll be all Hawthorne. In Chicago, again, Arlington up for sale. Churchill Downs declining to apply for racing dates. We're still not 100% sure who's buying the track. A lot of people are saying a group from the Chicago Bears. Uh, other people are saying there's horsemen's groups that have come together uh, to buy it. But uh, again, that uh, that book hasn't been closed, but I don't think it's got a great ending. Uh, so meanwhile, things are going to move over to Hawthorne in, in the Chicago area. Now, let's not forget there is another Illinois track, but it's closer to St. Louis, and that's former Fairmont Park. One day I was looking up at the screen at OTB, and it's a FanDuel. Where is FanDuel? And finally, after asking a few people, they said, I think that used to be Fairmont Park. I wish when these other entities bought established racetracks, they would say, the sportsmen's meet at FanDuel or FanDuel at Fairmont Park. Uh, whatever, you know, tag the, the track's name uh, to your uh, casino or betting interest, please, for us handicappers that don't know where you are. Now, uh, if you were looking around today for Woodbine or Delaware Park, you didn't get them. As you notice, there's been some bad weather heading to the northeast. And uh, so Woodbine uh, canceled. What's strange about Woodbine is they're a, a, a Tapetta track uh, that uh, normally – don't have any problem with the, that synthetic surface, but it was just so much rain and so soon they delayed post time and finally just said, look, let, let, let's cancel instead of running a couple of races and have to cancel for the safety of everybody. Now, Delaware, they, uh, they'll be back uh, on Saturday with 11 race card with nice purses. It's called the Owner's Day Program, 796000 all right, the ongoing soap opera as the world turns or as the screws turn in Bob Baffert's case. Uh, looks like now it's October 5th in U.S. District Court where they will meet. Uh, he originally received a temporary suspension from Naira. Um, 
We're going to find out. This is going on and on and on. Uh, what is interesting is while all of this is unfolding in New York uh, to see whether or not he's been maligned or singled out uh, in an unlawful manner, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission's yet to make a final ruling on the order of finish in the Kentucky Derby. And they really haven't given a final ruling on suspension for Baffert. Now they're waiting for a third blood test. I think we already know betamethasone is going to be in it because they said it was in the skin cream. So... Uh, Anyhow, it looks like right now he is going to be suspended uh, uh, from from Churchill Downs. So we'll see if Baffert uh, files legal action against Churchill Downs Incorporated. All right. Last week, we had Kevin Kirstein with us from Churchill Downs. He granted us uh, some winning action. How about the Pocahontas? Uh, this one is for the ladies uh, winning your end for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And it was Hidden Connection, Kevin's number one pick in there. A lot of people must have been listening. Bet down to nine to five. Ray Lou Gutierrez in the saddle had never ridden at Churchill Downs. His first Churchill Downs win coming in from Colonial Downs for Brett Calhoun romped in its only race, a debut maiden special weight. Hidden Connection gets 10 points to the Kentucky Oaks and will be heading to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Uh, second was Mama Rena, Kenny McPeak, trainee who was closing fast at 30 to 1 in the third spot, Goddess of Fire. How about the Iroquois? Who's going to the Kentucky Derby? Well, we're never sure until Derby week, but Major General now has 10 points. That's right. The Todd Pletcher trainee, Javier Castellano, came into town after stumbling at the start. Pulled away and looked awfully good. Had some challenges down through the stretch. Uh, was sent away at 9-2. to two. In the second spot, closing fast, our girl Sophie Doyle, who's been riding on the Chicago circuit. Tough to tame. Gets the job done in the second spot at 37-1. to one. Uh, Red Knobs finished third at 29-1. to one. Hope you had the try. Now, Stellar Tap was uh, tapped as the favorite. This was the Asmussen trainee shipping in from Saratoga. Uh, Ricardo Santana claimed foul uh, uh, against C Castellano, but uh, it was a uh, nah, baby, nah, nothing happening. And then, as we told you, no surprise in the Locust Grove. She shares the devil. will be heading towards the Breeders' Cup what a filly she is. The four-year-old has now won well over $2 million in 16 lifetime starts and now has nine wins. Never has she lost at Churchill Downs. Four starts, four wins, including a nice little race by the name of the Kentucky Oaks. All right, that's a look at what's coming up this week, what happened last week, and a tease of our guests. And with us on her books about the Windy City will be none other than Kim Rinker. All right, everybody, now with me, take a deep breath in and out. Namaste right there. We'll be right back on Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, with me now, as I told you at the top of the show, is uh, Kim Rinker. Uh, She's a graduate of uh, that team that plays all the cream puffs, uh, Ohio State University. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) it. And I think they're they're, they're playing the powerhouse Akron Zips on Saturday. Man, that's going to be a close one. But anyhow, Kim, I I kid. Uh, Graduate of Ohio State University. And, you know, you know people, but sometimes you find things out about them later down the road. Kim, uh, bless me with a couple of, of her books uh, oh I don't go a year or so ago and I love them because you can flip through them and just take a step into the past it's like the twilight zone of racing faces emerge from the pages horses race across the photos uh, the, the the history uh, that these books bring you uh, particularly if you're a fan of the Chicago area racing is just fantastic the other thing that I didn't know is that she was a licensed trainer and driver of standard breads and went over and competed in Russia. So with no further ado, Kim Rinker, how are you doing? I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. I hope you're doing well. I am. I am. Hey, listen, right off the top, I got to ask you, bring me into your involvement of racing. I'm guessing from your status as I have known you, uh, it, it centers around harness racing. Yeah, yeah. The weird thing is, is I grew up with thoroughbreds, and and we used to take thoroughbreds from the track, and you know uh, when they were when their careers were done, or horses were too slow or had no interest, and you know we would uh, transition them into hunter jumpers and eventing horses. And um, so I always wanted to stay, to be honest with you, I wanted to stay in the thoroughbred industry because I loved it. You know, I read all the history books about the old horses like Man of War and Exterminator and Sir Barton and all the Walter Farley books. And um, so, but when I went to college, I didn't know, you know, at the time, nobody said, hey, you can get a career in racing. It just wasn't kind of in in my story at the time. So um, an internship came up. 
1981 with the U.S. Trotting Association, and I was so desperate to stay involved, get involved some way in with horses that I, you know, I applied for it and I got the internship and I didn't know anything about harness racing. And so um, they sent me out to New Jersey to help publicize the fairs and write stories about the different uh, sire stake programs that they had going on. And um, I just fell in love with it because <clears throat> it's something, you know, I love thoroughbred racing, but you can't always do everything. You can't always be completely hands-on. And with, th- with standard breads, you know, you can jog, train, own your own horses, and you can drive them if you yeah. if you go through the steps to become qualified. And that's what I that's why I stuck with it. And quite honestly, it was because it was more affordable for me. Well, uh, if you can capsulize how you ended up on the team that went over to Russia for us. Um, well, what happened is in, in 1995, um, the USTA again, who I had worked for, I was working at Sportsman's Park at the time as a pre- as, as a publicity assistant in the in the press box, and I worked both the thoroughbred and the harness meets, and it was like the dream job. It was the throwback to the old press boxes where you had the guys up there smoking cigars after the races, and I mean it was just and, and, and newspaper guys all over the place, and the daily racing forum. You know, two or three guys from the forum were there every day. Anyway, I saw a, a, a notice in the USTA's uh, publication, which is Hoofbeats, and it said uh, applications are now being accepted for people to represent the United States in the international drivers' competition in Moscow, Russia. And I thought, what the heck? I'll, I'll just, you know, I didn't think I had a Chinaman's chance. I mean, I had my A license by that time, but I, I just thought, you know. I'm a female. I drive maybe once or twice a week at Sportsman's, and I drive at the fairs, which is kind of like the B League of harness racing. And lo and behold, they they chose me to represent the United States. So um, I went over in July and August of that year, and I competed against 15 other drivers, uh, all from like there was a guy from Russia, from uh, Ukraine, from Germany, uh, Switzerland, Italy. Um, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Great Britain, and I was the only girl. So it was, I mean, it was kind of fun, and I ended up finishing third. So it was uh, it was quite an experience. I made some friends that I've been uh, friends with for, you know, for the re- for since then, for the last four, three decades. And um, it, was, it was a terrific experience. And it, it was pretty cool because the Moscow Hippodrome, has been in existence since like the twelve early twelve hundreds, and it's this beautiful old ornate racetrack. And they actually have four racetracks I- I- inside of one another. And the largest is, um, I think it's a mile and a half. It's like Belmont, and uh, that is on the outside, and that's the harness track. And then they have a grass thoroughbred track on the inside, and and a couple dirt tracks. So it was really a cool experience, and um, just to, just. You know, Moscow is a great city, and it was great to be at that venue because it was so historic. Well, speaking of historic, you, you really did a great job in your homework, and uh, you had to spend a lot of time going through uh, microfiche and daily racing forms. So you, you, you take us all the way back in the Chicago area to Worth Racetrack in 1903, and there's a photo in there, and basically it was 16 miles south of Chicago, but you could take a train right down there uh, back in 1902. So, I mean, you really, obviously, those years up in Sportsman's uh, probably, uh, you know, niched out a little uh, 
piece of Chicago racing in your heart. But uh, what what a great job you've done of framing uh, both thoroughbred and standard bred racing in your book. But to think it went all the way back to the turn of the century there, and now all that's left is Hawthorne. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, uh, Hawthorne is the oldest um, family-owned racetrack that's been consistently owned by the same family um, in the United States, actually in North America. It's the oldest family-owned racetrack. I can't remember exactly. You'll have to forgive me, but it was, I think it was 1896, um, maybe, that the oh, Carey I'll, family... I'll slide on that there, okay? <laughs> okay. I mean, I know it was the late 1890s, but um, anyway, that I mean, that is the case, though. That is the oldest family-owned racetrack, and, and what I did, actually, um, you know, obviously, I went to... I knew all the PR people in, in Chicago at the various racetracks, so I went to them first to go through all the files that they had. And then I went to the various uh, neighborhoods, neighborhood historical societies. And they were very, very helpful. Like, like you mentioned, Worth. I went to the Worth Historical Society, so I got a lot of information there and a lot of pictures. Um, and then I had, you know, people that I knew that had raced like at Aurora Downs and other places that are no longer in existence. So it was a, it was a really fun kind of calling. To, to work on that and to do research on these kind of books. They're just, you know, I love history and, and racetrack history is just fantastic. Well, uh, again, because of, uh, you, you know, your background and experience, you were able to uh, segue the, the two sports. But one horse that caught my eye, because it is a real rarity, is a horse back in the 1930s, Greyhound who is an almost all-white trotter. What a unique horse. You've got a couple photos of him in there. Yeah, he, he, was, he was like the, uh, the secretariat of, uh, of harness racing, and he was just a standout. He was a, a big, rangy uh, gelding, actually, and, and uh, came from Illinois, was foaled in Illinois, you know, uh, bred and foaled in Illinois, and uh, lived up on the Flannery Farm up in Maple Park. Um, and actually, uh, you know, and he, he, he went all over the country and raced on what in standard bread racing is known as, as the Grand Circuit. It's kind of akin slightly to like the Triple Crown races, but, but they race, a, they race many more races. But anyway, he became the most celebrated trotter of, of the 1930s and won the Hambletonian, um, in Goshen, New York, which is again like our, like the standard bread version of the Kentucky Derby. And um, then when he retired, he went back to Maple Park and actually uh, died there. And um, what happened in the last few years is there was, uh, they were, they had sold the farm. It became a, a standard bread breeding farm it's called Walker Standard Breads. And then they ended up selling it. And what happened was then eventually it got sold for development. So there were a couple of gals in northwestern uh, Illinois that decided to come down. They were fans of Greyhound. They actually took his stall down and his and his part of his stable and took it down board by board, and then they carefully wrapped it up, numbered all the boards so they knew what sequence it went in, and they, they moved it and took it out to the Harness Racing Museum and Hall of Fame in Goshen, New York, where it was painstakingly rebuilt. And if you, if anybody travels to that museum, which is a great museum, by the way, um, they will see that Greyhound's stall has been completely rebuilt. And there's all kinds of artifacts there, you know, his race bike, a uh, couple of his blankets, 
and and things like that. He was just a magnificent horse, and and, and you can see him if you go on YouTube. There's newsreels of him racing. So he was he was very very popular as far as standard breads go. Um, during the same years that that uh, War Admiral and Sea Biscuit were popular. And more important, you can go to Chicago's horse racing uh, venues, Kim's book, and see photos of this horse. And, you know, it's just so much fun. When you think of the great horses that uh, race throughout Chicago's history, I'm just flipping through here real quick. I mean, Coal Town, Calumet Farms Horse. How about Nashua galloping at Washington Park? I mean, these things just, uh, I mean... They jump off the pages. They're fantastic. But all of a sudden, it reminds you just to how important Chicago has been to racing in North America. Yeah, I mean, it really was. It was, you know, when I first went to Chicago, which was in 1984, I mean, it was considered like the second best place to race as far as uh, harness horses. Um, but, you know, over the years, Arlington has attracted, you know, the best horses In the world, really. I mean, when you consider the Arlington Million and you had horses that raced there like Cigar and um, Black Tie Affair. That was an Illinois bred who who did well. Um, But, you know, um, yeah, it's just it's really strange when you think about the evolution of racing since, you know, the first part of the 20th century. And especially like, you know, in places like New York and especially like Chicago, where there's so much history, where there's a lot of controversy and there's you know things happening great stories great people um just and you know i'm sure you you've talked to many people or many jockeys trainers who raced in there who raced in chicago at one time and and you know to see i hate to say this i don't like to be negative but to see what's happened now especially with arlington is just is just the saddest thing ever because of the history Absolutely, and, and I'm and I'm sure that's probably a little bit harder on you than uh, than, than Joe's six pack. I mean, <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's uh, and, and you can see it in, in the book. I mean, you put so much time and work into digging uh, th- these uh, sensational photos out, which you know I'm a big fan of myself. Uh, that uh, it, it's got to be a real punch to the gut to just see. Wait, 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 wait! It can't be gone. No except for Hawthorne, it's gone. And that's only going to be 76 dates, you know? And then how about FanDuel buying the other park? I'm watching FanDuel one day, and I'm like, where the heck is FanDuel Racetrack? Well, you know, it's uh, Fairmont Park. Right, right, yeah. And Fairmont, Fairmont, you know, for years has been, um, you know, where people, if people had, let's say, Illinois breads, whether they were thoroughbreds or standard breads, they and they didn't think they could compete, you know, in Chicago. They either went to Fairmount Park or they went to Quad City Downs, which was strictly uh, standard bred. But a lot, you know, Fairmount ran a you know dual meets and, um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 very strange. It's very sad. I mean, all of us that have been there for a long time, just every time we hear something. I mean, Sportsman's Park when it closed, that was just devastating. Nobody could believe it. You know, we we just couldn't understand why sportsmen would close. It was a great track. It was great to be stabled there. You always had big, you know, big names coming in like Jack Van Berg or um, Bill Mott. You you know, you got to see the big guys. And you know, up until a few years ago, probably up until this year, you had the big guys coming to to Arlington. So yeah. um, 
you, you know, it's, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. It, it really is heartbreaking. I mean, I got the notice today, I'm sure you did too, for the dates that were assigned by the Illinois Racing Board. And, you know, no yeah. Arlington. It's just, it's, it's weird to think there's no Arlington, there's no more Maywood, there's no more Balmoral. I mean, those were, you know, stables staples of, of Illinois racing, as was Sportsman's Park and, and Arlington. And to not have Arlington is just devastating, not only for the horsemen, but, you know, for the fans, that is a beautiful track. I mean, to me, next to Santa Anita and, and Belmont, there's no prettier racetrack than, than uh, Arlington Park. Well, yes, it's going to be missed, especially to my friends up there in the Chicago area. Well, uh, Kim, I've only got uh, about a minute left, so let's do some shameless self-promotion here. If after talking about these great books, somebody said, well, damn, Christmas is coming up. I want to get my hands on Chicago's horse racing venues and its companion book, shall I say, Arlington Park Racetrack, written by Kimberly A. Rinker. Where do they go? Um, they can go to Amazon. They're available on Am- Amazon in both uh, print and, and Kindle uh, editions. And you can also go to the publisher, which is Arcadia Publishing. Um, and it's, you know, www.arcadiapublishing.com. And they, they offer the books as well. Fantastic. I mean, anybody didn't have their pencil, uh, just, you know, all these uh, shows are uh, on podcasts, so you can you can pull them back down at a future date. Well, Kim, it was fantastic talking to you today. Thanks for catching me up on so many things I did not know about you, and I wish you nothing but the best. <laughs> well, thanks, John. It's always good to talk to you, and I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. That was Kim Rinker, uh, who's an author and also uh, now and then we'll take a horse over to Russia and race it. All right. With that said, we are going to go a little bit north of where I am and talk to none other than Bob Railbird Roberts. So let's take a quick break. We're going to catch up with Bob and uh, we're going to try to do a pick four over at Parks on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, no stranger to Winning Ponies over the years, none other than former turf rider. Yes, there were things called turf riders back in the day of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. None other than Bob Railbird Roberts. Roberto, how are you? Turf riders, yeah, they put them in the uh, Cleveland uh, History Museum next to the uh, dinosaurs and the uh, mastodon and the elephants. Yeah, that's where we are. Turf riders. I know. Oh, God. Well, well, it was interesting. I was talking to Kim Rinker when she used to work up in the press box at Sportsman's, and she described the cigar chomping guys from the different papers that were up there. Yes, they said papers with an S on the end. Um, right. I mean, th- those were the days, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know nothing lasts forever, but uh, you know, the, the sport just had so much color and flavor, and uh, it was a great place to be, Bob. You remember the heydays. Chicago had one of the all-time great characters, Dave Feldman, from the yes. uh, Chicago Sun-Times. Right. Got his, he, got uh, he, he was the master. He was the jack of all trades. At one time, he was the track announcer, the, uh, the Sun-Times turf writer, president of the HBPA, and an owner-trainer. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if you'd get away with that with this day and age. He'd say there'd be some no. kind of crossover there. But uh, no, yeah, everything, it was so different. I, I remember back in Albany, I'd open up the Albany Times Union the, the day after Saratoga. The charts and the photo finish would be a full page in the sports section. Right. Right. Well, they're still hanging on a little bit up there. They put out that like pink sheet wrapped around the paper during the Saratoga meet, so they're they're still trying to hang on up there in uh, in Albany. Well, you got the Tom local Law papers the Clan- too. Yeah, well, Tom Law and the Clancy brothers—they do a great job putting out the Saratoga special. Uh, right. How they right. how they turned turned they turned that thing around in less than twelve hours. I don't know how the heck they do it, but it's extremely no. informative and entertaining. Uh, it, it, it's just great. I know you made two forays to the spa this summer, didn't you? Yeah, I tell you what, John, that that's become uh, quite the uh, tradition for me now. I go opening week, and then I come home after three or four days, and then I go back. I open the joint, I close the joint. I go back Labor Day <laughs> weekend and. Uh, and close it. So, yeah, I like to, I go up there twice, twice a year, God willing. I keep, keep doing that. Yep. Well, I got to get hold of some uh, friends of mine who are uh, city officials up there in Saratoga. We'll have you cut the ribbon on opening day and put the padlock <laughs> on the gate as they leave on closing day. So <laughs> that would be exactly. a, when I went up there in, uh, when I went up there in July for opening day, the feature is the Schuylerville Stakes named after, Philip Schuyler and you know, remember the Schuyler sisters from Hamilton? That's a, a town about ten miles from Saratoga. We even, my daughter and I, drove up there and went to a, a little a breakfast place, and then we we found the Schuyler house where Alexander Hamilton proposed marriage uh, to his uh, to his wife. So it's, it was a, quite a historic trip, as well as a horse racing trip. 
Well, I just got back from a trip to Boston, and that neck of the woods, the whole Northeast, you talk about history. I was going to my nephew Brendan's house, and I turned one corner, and this was not a historic uh, – people were living in this house. It was built in 1763. <laughs> Yeah, when you kids don't forget, you know, that's where everybody came from, you know, that the boats were landing (laughs) on the East Coast, you know, until they didn't want those. They they thought they had too much Irish, so they made them go around in New Orleans. But they they landed on their feet. They that that, a lot of the Italians got sent down there. Right, and the Battle of Saratoga was fought uh, not too far from the racetrack. Uh, Of course, the Battle of Saratoga is. Is conducted every day when you're trying to build winners. It's another, it's another <laughs> kind of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it was it was a tough meet, but it was a good meet. It, it always is tough. Well, hey, before not so I don't get uh, down to thirty seconds to post, and I have to yeah. put this in for our listeners. Uh, Writings of a Railbird. I love this book. Oh, I, oh yeah, my friend admires that's uh, available uh, in either Kindle or hardback or softback, whatever you want to call it, at Amazon. And uh, all the money goes to Ronald McDonald House or St. Jude Hospital for children. I don't keep a nickel of it. I got paid when I wrote them. All right. Well, we are chatting with Bob Roberts. Uh, Bob's uh, quite the character. We're just uh, publicizing his book, Writings of a Railbird. And again, uh, magnanimous gesture on, uh, on Bob's part uh, to, uh, to, to put this uh, – book out and to, to have all of it uh, go to charity. And folks, this is not boring. These are a lot of the columns that Bob wrote uh, for the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, that appeared there over the years. Uh, some are uh, pull it at your heart. Other ones talking about tracks that are there no longer uh, like uh Beulah Park and Derby Downs and, uh, and basically there's a whole lot of laughs in there because as uh, as we know and as you'll hear, Bob's always good for a couple of laughs, and you will be laughing when you're reading writings of a railbird. Well, railbird, did you did you? I I, I promise the listeners out there we're going to hammer out a pick four at parks. Are are you willing to accept this responsibility, sir? I'm yeah, I'm willing to uh, to accept that responsibility. But if you look at the betting menu at parks, there is no pick four starting with the ninth race. <laughs> we're gonna ha- we're, we're gonna have one. We're gonna have one. Well, what what, what do we All got? Right. In the- All they right. got a pick well, three. You can go pick three, nine, ten, eleven, and then another pick three, ten, ten, eleven, twelve. You could do that. Well, they they, they got a fifty cent pick four starting with the tenth. So uh, we'll just have to. Uh, oh, with the tenth. Oh. We'll I was looking at. Their- I was starting with the turf monster, the ninth. Right, right. We're gonna we're gonna kind of give a pass to uh, Jackie's Warrior and the Gallant Bob. All right, let's go to the ninth. There's right. a horse in here that I love because I had her breeder on the show, and that's Lizzie Merriman. Uh, the horse is now trained by Graham Motion. The last time she had the horse, it won the Grade Three Caress at Saratoga at five and a half. It uh, next start back. They they shipped to Canada. They went uh, a, a distance the horse uh, uh, doesn't have to do on Saturday. And the grade one Highlander went six furlongs and got a little bit of a tired, even though it was a game for the uh, uh, third spot. Uh, that's Caravel. Um, 
Right. But to, you, you, you know, again, you don't know. You know, now, supposedly this horse is only like ten stalls down from where Lizzie Merriman trains at Fairhill, anyhow. So it's not like he's a completely different environment. But I mean, uh, if there's a chink in her armor, I think we might want to take a couple other horses in here just to be safe. I'm looking at Fire Crow, and for my long shot play down on the inside, beer cra- beer can man, Fire Crow. Joel Rosario coming into parks, and this horse is getting faster and faster for Ron Moquette. It's a five-year-old, and that's when horses peak, but I think Caravelle's mm-hmm. the one to beat. Blink, and this race is going to be well, over. Yeah, I put I put Caravelle third. How come she's not training the horse anymore? I mean, I understand why, though, she put down, uh, they put down Graham Motion for, uh, for Woodbine. Why isn't she back training the horse? It was she had it great... throughout the whole career. No, it has to do with ownership. Uh, Bobby okay. Flay bought bought into her because most likely she's uh, pointing now to the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Okay, so right, it might have I been a, con- a condition of the sale, but she kept a chunk yeah. of the horse, and so she, you know, it, it's a filly, so there may be some deal where they go every other fall. But anyhow, that's the reason. Right. Uh, well, I put so, that horse third. I put Fire Crow second, working like a demon at Churchill and at Saratoga. But the horse I put on top is the four horse Caratari. That last yeah. race at Saratoga on August sixth was a real sizzler. Only got beat, only got beat a half a length, and has since thrown two massive bullet workouts at Churchill Downs. A half and uh, forty-seven and one, which was the seventh, first fastest of forty-four, and then came back and did three eights and thirty-five and two just a couple of days ago. So I'm going with uh, with Caratera, and I get Louis Saez to boot, which. Uh, there's no bad bowl of soup, so I'm going four, five, eight in that race. Oh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I I love Caratori. I don't know why I didn't continue to talk about him. I guess because I want to give you time. <laughs> but uh, you know, Luis Diaz is is a nice play. But this horse, obviously, Brian Lynch has figured out. Hey, do what you do, do well. This horse has started this rare five furlong distance 17 times and has won over $380,000. So, yeah, I got to like your pick there. All right, I want to make sure we get all these races in, but we're, we're yeah, doing sure. okay on time. All right. right. Uh, uh, I, we got a single Jackie's Warrior. In I'm the, with in, you. I'm with you. I'm single in Jackie's the, Warrior, too. No problem. No a, a problem. Race named I, after I agree. You. Yes, the gallant Bob. So, uh, gallant you know, Bob, this, I remember him. Yeah, remember he was him. fast. He was very fast. He was but, good. Uh, was so good. anyhow, we're all right. So uh, that that's the tenth race uh, for those of you listening out there. And Jackie's Warrior, who's just been a bear, ought to romp in there. It's a prep for the Breeders' Cup. All right, now the right. Cotillion. We are talking uh, three-year-old fillies, a million dollars on the line. Now it'll be a field of eight. Bob Baffert has decided to take his horseshoes and play elsewhere. Private Mission yeah. won't be coming. Uh, of course, neither right. is Medina Spirit or Medina Spirit, depending on where you live. Um, but so, but nonetheless, you know, uh, it's. It's it's pr- pretty wide open uh, because even the odds maker Clarier two to one Army Wife seven to two. Uh, then I got to give a look. I mean, you look at all these horses; they might be lately raced, but boy, they've been r- racing with the best. Obligatory coming out of two straight Grade Ones. Uh, Marjuka won the Coaching Club American Oaks at, at a mile and an eighth today. Uh, we're going to be going a mile and a sixteenth. But uh, I'm telling you what, you you got to spread your ticket a little bit out on this uh, race. Do you agree, Bob Roberts? Uh, 
Yes, I do. I do agree, and I'm picking a long shot too. I put uh, I put Army White second. I put Clarier, if that's how you pronounce it, the two to one morning line favorite third. But I'm going with the horse that you mentioned, the one horse, obligatory. If you cross out the sprints, this horse has very good route, a very good route record, and uh, I'm going for the one horse from the uh, from the. I'm going for the uh, from the rail with uh, Jose Ortiz. Will you put yeah. on top? Uh, absolutely. Well, I, I don't know what I'm putting on top. That's why we're having a conversation right now. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I do think this is one that you've got to spread. I, I think the other horse that, right. if you could put a you know, line through a race or a horse that's proven it can run not so good and come back and run a big race, is this uh, Maracuja. But whether or not I'm putting her on top, I don't know. I mean, she, I don't know what happened in the Alabama, but uh, she... Ricardo Santana just hung it up for the day, and so they they didn't test her. Could have thrown her <laughs> shoe. I don't know, but yeah, uh, the the horses that I had checked were obligatory, Army Wife uh, and Clarier. I mean, it, it, it's hard to uh, to mm-hmm. throw them out. Now, what's interesting in this race, so Bob? Okay, we're going a mile and a sixteenth. Is um, Who's going to jump out there? Is it going to be always Karina and Johnny V for Chad Brown? I mean, this horse only raced four times in her life, but uh, looks like there's some latent talent there. Um, other than that, there's not much early foot in this race. All of our horses have kind of a similar running style. Uh, maybe Army Wife could be a little bit closer. Well, what do you think as far as the setup for this race? Yeah. Well, the, the, the comment on uh, Maracuja was that the uh, stutter step at the start. So maybe, I mean, when in, in the uh, coaching club, American Oaks, she was she broke right on the money. She was, you know, half a length off the lead there, first call. So I, I she, I mean, Carmouche could send her from from the from the four hole. It's possible. I mean, like you said, where is the speed here? I don't know. Maybe uh, always, like you said, always Karina. She, she could go for it. She's put her off of uh, seven furlong, so she, she's a. Uh, Probably the one to go for the lead. I would think they're going to send her. Don't you think? It, you, yeah, I mean that's her shot, and you know she, she's uh, lightly raced, and they're bringing John Velasquez in for a reason, Bob. So uh, that might be right, it. But right. uh, I, but yeah. good. I, I'm glad you like one of my price horses. I feel good about that, and certainly oh, Jose yeah. Ortiz oh, yeah. is is not going to hurt our chances. All right. Well, uh, no. uh, the, the Pennsylvania Derby, million dollars, a mile and eighth. Uh, we uh, already said that uh, Medina or Medina Spirit will be out of the race. And, uh, <laughs> both both his horses are going for like uh, some uh, little bit softer races, I guess, as they hopefully uh, move up uh, to uh, Breeders' Cup time. Um, but, but Pennsylvania Derby, obviously a lot of people might say, well, hell hot rod, Charlie's my single in here. And I say, I'm going to be on my ticket, but a single, I don't know. Uh, Midnight bourbon might, might come back and say, Hey, if you hadn't tripped me in the final eighth of a mile, I would have given you a run for money in the Haskell stakes. And then he got some sleepers in here. Todd Pletcher, Louis Saez on a 15 to one shot that just keeps getting faster and faster. It's a New York bread. That crap doesn't matter anymore. When you're a New York bread by constitution, out of a super saver mare, you might as well have been born, uh, you know, in the main street in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, uh, it doesn't mean anything, right. but I, I think that 
Hot Rod Charlie might open the door to a couple other price horses in here, Bob. Uh, how, how do you see it? Are you putting a ring around Charlie? No, uh, I'm hoping that Hot Rod Charlie and, and Midnight Bourbon, they kind of uh, get involved early and hook each other and go to the front because obviously uh, Baffert's not going to be there with uh, Medina Spirit, so that opens up uh, the possibility of who's going to be on the lead. I'm going for a horse who's 8-1, to one, and uh, I keep a, a trip notebook on the Saratoga meet, and on the day they ran the Travers, the speed bias on that racetrack was crushing. I mean crushing. You were one, two, maybe three. You had, like, no shot of winning that day. Bob, 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 let let me me stop you. Let me stop you. This is not a non-winner's a two. It's the Pennsylvania Derby. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But this horse has been running with all the heavy heads. I'm going for the two horse. Keep me in mind. You got Uh, got five lengths in the Traverse. I've got him down here as one of my long shots. He's going to be on the ticket for sure. Uh, but he's eligible for nine winners of two. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's a great place in show bet, but he's danced every dance. I mean, outside of when he ran second in his maiden, he, he breaks he breaks his maiden in a grade three race. But this horse is running a graded race every race, but it's maiden, and it didn't even win that race. So, I mean – it's off to uh, right. Robertino Diodoro and the owners of this horse because they're saying, right. we know we got a good one. You can't hit a home run unless you get up to bat. But, yeah, I, th- I think you'll right. get odds on there. Well, uh, while, you're, while you're shopping odds, obviously, Hot Rod Charlie, let's, let, let's face it, the, the Belmont was one of the best races I've seen in a long time as far as the effort that this horse put fast. I do believe the fastest six furlongs of that race ever. Uh, so he, he's there. Midnight Bourbon's right there. But, yeah, maybe you shop around. I only got a minute left, so like I said, uh, American Revolution might be a long shot. I keep in there too, Bob, at fifteen to one, only mm. making his fifth career start. But this is one, three, or four. What can I say? Well, what I can right. say is this, no. Bob. I always appreciate you being on the show. So you're going to go keep me in mind, and then who are you going to put underneath, real quick? I'm going to put. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I. I, I got to go for the, the, the two uh, heavy heads in there. I got to use uh, I, I, I got to use the seven and eight hot rod Charlie and midnight bourbon. I mean, I, I, I looked around for somebody else, but that's maybe a horse you mentioned a Pletcher horse, American Revolution, some of that Louis Saez magic. I mean, the horse is uh, he's very untested. Obviously, those are all state bred races. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, listen, my producer's Josh is telling me I got to get out of here. Bob, thanks a million All right, for being John. on the show. I'll catch you down the road. Thanks to Kim Rankin. Thanks to uh, Josh for keeping me in line. Thanks for you for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.